This AIM Hometown Innovations podcast is sponsored by Financial Solutions Group, Incorporated. Build, operate, transfer, or as you may have heard it called, BOT, Financial Solutions Group can help. This construction delivery approach is becoming very popular in Indiana. If you're looking at a BOT project in your municipality, reach out to us. As registered municipal advisors, we can help you find the lowest cost financing for your BOT project through competitive bidding of the financing to banks and underwriters. You need an independent registered municipal advisor to protect your financial interests. So watch out for your taxpayers and ratepayers and keep your municipal best interests in mind. Reach out to us at fsgcorp.com or 317-837-4933 and let's talk. Welcome to AIM Hometown Innovations Podcast. This podcast is designed to offer insights, best practices, and innovative solutions for the challenges facing Hoosier cities and towns. Each edition will offer ideas and inspiration while showcasing the talent and commitment of Indiana's local leaders. Enjoy the program. Hi, welcome to AIM Hometown Innovations Podcast. I'm Jennifer Simmons with AIM, and today we're turning the tables a little bit. I'm going to host today's podcast while interviewing our AIM CEO, Matt Greller. Also joining us today is AIM's Government Affairs Director, Jenna Nepper. Matt, Jenna, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jennifer. You bet. For today, we're going to dial in on one particular topic, uh, Indiana's business personal property tax. Um, It's a key source of revenue for local governments. Um, Matt, why don't you just take us to the basics? What is the business personal property tax and why do so many local units of government um, rely on it? Why is it critical to to local government? Sure thing. Let's... uh... Let's go back a few years. I think most everybody is familiar with the property tax caps that were put in place 10 or 12 years ago at this point. So the legislature and the voters, by putting it in the Constitution, said that they wanted local governments to diversify their revenue streams back then and and rely on things outside of just primarily property tax. So we've done that. We've we've moved more towards a income tax-based revenue stream in local government and city and town and cities and towns. But property tax still makes up close to 60% on average of a city or town's budget, general fund budget. So the business personal property tax is exactly what it, it sounds like. I think for most people, it's a business tax on equipment that goes into the overall property tax pie. It's an important uh, piece of the revenue stream. You know, estimates are statewide that it accounts for about $1.3 billion worth of the overall property tax revenue that comes back to local governments. So any modification or phase out of various pieces of the business personal property tax is very important, especially in light of property tax caps when we've already limited uh, what's out there and what's available. So seven or eight years ago, Uh, Back in 2014, this discussion was brought up and uh, we were successful in in pushing it back. But in the interim, in those six or seven years between then and now, little swipes have been taken at business personal property. Um, Now there are small business exemptions for the most part. 
They started out at $20,000 in assessed value, moved to 40 and now are at $80,000. So, you know, think of this as your Main Street businesses, your law offices, your accounting offices, folks that have copiers and basic office equipment uh, in their buildings. Most of those people today are now exempt uh, from paying the business personal property tax, which is probably a good thing. Uh, it's not a huge revenue hit to local governments. Many of those small businesses were probably paying more uh, to their accountant to file uh, the return uh, than what the actual tax bill they were receiving turned out to be. So I think we've made some good strides there. Um, the legislature, it looks like now for the 2022 session, is focusing in on something called the 30% depreciation floor. So you depreciate a piece of property down and, and under the current law, you can never get it below 30% of its, if its original purchase price value. So that is uh, important when you think about Indiana and our heavy reliance on manufacturing and all the equipment that's out there. We receive a lot of business personal property revenue from equipment like that in factories and manufacturing processes. So it's an important overall revenue stream, obviously, for local governments. I think the thing we need to remember is that we're not here to say that the business personal property tax is a good tax, a bad tax. We're here to say it's a very important uh, piece of revenue for local governments, cities and towns in our case. And without complete elimination or complete replacement uh, in the face of any reduction or elimination, we can't be supportive of any proposal that would move in that direction because of how important that revenue stream is. Yeah, that's right. And Jenna, let's take a little bit of a different approach and look at this from the legislative perspective. Um, you know, they passed a budget last year, last April, with some pretty conservative income tax projections because of the coronavirus, you know, these unprecedented times. But those revenues are coming in significantly above those projections. So what's the talk at the state house for how they want to handle um, taxes in general, and in particular, the business personal property tax, which Matt did allude to a little bit. Yeah. Um, so earlier this summer, as you mentioned, Jennifer, it was announced that Indiana would close out the 2021 fiscal year with over $3.9 billion um, in reserves, which, which triggers the automatic taxpayer refunds. And I think that's when this conversation really got started with legislators is, you know, we've triggered these automatic taxpayer refunds. Um, and so legislative leadership has been taking a look at, is it time for a tax cut? And in particular, it's been the House Republicans who have been floating these tax cuts and reforms. Um, there've been conversations about general tax cuts related to sales tax or income tax. And then now, as, as Matt mentioned, um, a part of this conversation has centered on the business personal property tax, um, specifically that depreciation floor. Um, they haven't narrowed in yet publicly on, on what tax cuts they're going to pursue. As Matt mentioned, a lot of this conversation in the past has been driven by the Senate with Senator Freeman authoring that legislation that's doubled the exemption over time. Um, but again, this summer, it's really been the House Republicans, um, in particular, Speaker Houston, who has talked publicly about how looking at a phase out of the 30% depreciation floor, um, according to his numbers, this would be over a $1.3 billion hit if there was a total elimination, but that phase out. Um, which again, they seem to be zeroing in on would be a $300 million hit. 
statewide. Um, overall, in our conversations with the Senate, they've been uh, more hesitant about any type of tax cut, um, including the business personal property tax. But some of the Senate leadership in our meetings with them and, and publicly have, have committed to some type of replacement mechanism and, and have even set a permanent replacement mechanism. Um, on the House side, in terms of replacement mechanisms, they've floated the concept of property tax replacement credits, but have been less committed to a permanent replacement mechanism. So, um, and then the governor, he hasn't weighed in publicly yet on um, business personal property tax or the tax cuts. Um, in a recent press conference, he mentioned that um, more along the lines of the Senate, that maybe we wait out to see what the economy is going to do long term, um, and that a tax cut is something we look at maybe in 2023, but he is yet to roll out his legislative agenda. So there will be more to come from his office, I'm sure. Um, but in the meantime, we'll continue to work with the House and the Senate as, you know, if they, if they go down the route of phasing out this 30% depreciation for um, what would be a viable replacement mechanism. Um, but that's, that's where things are as we head into session. Thanks, Jenna. Um, Matt, you talked a little bit about the legislative history in terms of the business personal property tax the last 10 years or so. Let's talk about the advocacy efforts that were employed at the time in 2014 when the hit was going to be complete elimination and several organizations like ours got together to say that is not, that is not a viable option for Hoosiers, it's not a viable option for local government. So talk a little bit about the coalition that was formed and then just take us all the way through to how that effort might need to be ramped back up. Yeah, we had a very successful effort back in 2014 with the campaign coalition, We Placed Donor Race, and it included uh, organizations from 20 plus local government entities. So we had the counties, the schools, townships, libraries, uh, public safety entities, uh, other organizations that have a, have a stake in local government or community well-being type efforts. Um, and it was, like I said, very effective. Uh, we worked very closely together, unified message uh, with a, a number of local government um, officials participating on a very regular basis. And I think we're going to make that, I know we're going to make that, uh, a bigger and better effort heading into the 2022 session. Um, so we'll have the, a very similar coalition put together. In fact, we just recently met. And we're off and running there. Um, I would say that, you know, heading into 2022, our effort will be three-pronged. One, we've got to have some data and numbers to support what we're saying. Uh, that effort is well underway with some of our corporate partners uh, putting together detailed analyses of, of what the impact might be and trying to develop models. I should add, it's very difficult to calculate uh, what the impact would be, particularly when you talk about the 30% depreciation floor. So we're, we're working towards that. Uh, the lobbying efforts are well underway. In fact, they started this summer with our grassroots meetings with various legislators and continuing to circle around and, and do many of those. Uh, both in groups and in one-on-one -on -one, uh, settings. And that'll continue uh, obviously on through the legislative session with our more traditional lobbying efforts. And then, you know, a part of the campaign, I think what most of our members will be able to see or utilize is our website. We'll have a, 
we play Stoner Race uh, website dedicated with all sorts of information, background materials, uh, press clippings, etc. But toolkits, I think, will be the most important piece of that. So if you're looking to put out things on social media, we'll have those toolkits there for you. Uh, one of the most effective things we did back in 2014 uh, was ask our members as well as members of the other coalition uh, folks to pass resolutions that basically said, you know, we can't support a reduction of any sort in the business personal property tax without dollar for dollar guaranteed replacement revenue at this, from the state. Uh, and I think we'll be employing that same effort this time around as well as talking to some of our corporate, you know, leaders in various communities around Indiana, uh, trying to ask them what that would mean for them. Are, are they focused on this as the main issue or are they more focused on the overall health of the community and being able to attract uh, workers into their facilities, et cetera. So sort of a three pronged approach. Um, I think we're well positioned and ready to go. Uh, we just need to understand uh, what the legislature is going to consider and, and work with them through that process um, and hopefully come to a, a good a good outcome. What, uh, before we wrap up, what are some of those key message points, those two or three message points of, you know, that it's really important for a legislator coming in that may not have been around in 2014 or may not focus on fiscal issues, um, you know, what are, are two or three things you want them to know um, as they look at this issue with fresh eyes? I think the one main topic is if you eliminate or reduce a portion of the personal property tax, it's going to create pressure elsewhere. And that pressure comes really in two forms. One, you will be able to see a, you will see a shift to primarily homeowners paying more property tax uh, where there are in communities that are not up against the property tax cap. And that gets a little complicated, but essentially if you're not capped out in a community, you would be paying more because that money or that shift would occur from business over to residential primarily. Uh, in other communities that are up against the cap, the, the pressure would be absorbed through additional uh, property tax cap losses that many communities are already experiencing. So they would be further compounded year in, year out. And I think the important thing to remember there is that this is not just a one-time hit. You know, if you lose X hundreds of thousands or X millions of dollars in a community in one year, that just keeps happening year after year after year. So it becomes a compounding effect that, that becomes very very worries, worrisome for local governments. So that's one point. Uh, and probably the main point that we wanna to try to stress is that we hear constantly that communities, businesses are in a, a rapid race to find talent and bring talent into the state. Uh, and, and what drives that more than anything is, is quality of place in the community. So. We want to make sure that communities have the resources to build the best places they can. And this is a key component to making sure that happens. Those are some of the key, I think, key points we want to emphasize this session. Definitely. Jenna, anything you want to add on, on that front? 
Yeah, Matt uh, hit a lot of it, but I do think, you know, as you're gathering data with your financial advisors or talking to the businesses in your community, I think one, letting us know the impact, because as we're talking to legislators, if we can, you know, share those stories alongside you, that's that's always really helpful. Um, but two, also talking to your legislators. Um, and if you are able to talk to them and um, get feedback from them, sharing that with us is, is incredibly helpful. Um, as Matt talked about the tax shift and the, the specific impact to your budgets, those are the stories that make it real for legislators. And I think the more we know, the better equipped we'll be um, this legislative session. And then just two kind of deadlines I want to point out, because as we'll, we'll get a better idea of what the specific pro proposal is going to be, um, um, at least by you know January 7th is the Senate bill filing deadline and January 11th is the House bill filing deadline. So early January is when we'll start to see the specific proposals and we'll be sure to keep our members in the loop on, on what exactly is being weighed. But in the meantime, getting that information to legislators and to us will be critical moving forward. Great, thanks. And uh, just to piggyback on some things Matt said, you know, the, the replace donor race, uh, coalition is forming. We will be launching lots of, you know, web tools and whatnot. So just encouraging in members out there to watch Municipal Dispatch, watch your email so we can let you know when those resources are available. And I think we'll be back with a lot of podcasts like this um, with the theme of business personal property taxes and replace, don't erase. So try to watch all of those you can to stay up to speed on what's happening at the state house as well as our weekly legislative summary so we'll wrap it up here for today but we will be back soon with a lot more information as it becomes available so jenna matt thanks for being on the podcast thanks jennifer thanks this aim hometown innovations podcast was sponsored by financial solutions group inc